Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your Rose Nyland, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to... Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. I got the goosebumps. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Munoz. And boy, the holidays are just rolling along. Summer will be here in a blink of an eye. We are in full swing to April. Easter has come and gone. Hopefully everyone out there, if you celebrated the holiday weekend, you kept safe. You're out there going to get your vaccines. Let me tell you, that second vaccine... Took my ass down for the count. I still feel like I haven't fully recovered. Um, but yep, your girl's fully vaxxed and excited to just be on a healthier journey and hopefully on the way out of this thing sooner than later. What else can I tell you? What else has happened? Not much, you know. The merch is going, there's new merch, uh, just in time for your summer. Uh all your summer needs. There's a really cute beach towel out there. You can go to themunios.com forward slash mouth merch to see all of that. Uh, the podcast network, we are just celebrating each other. Go out there and check out the other uh, niche food podcasts out there um, on the One Star Podcast Network. Things like Copper and Heat and Confessions of a Modern Waiter and the Macaroni Zone. Shout out to all of you. You know, it's a good day. We're trucking along. The weather's nicer. I'm getting out there to exercise a bit. And Lord knows I need it. And yeah, it's a good day. And it's an extra special good day on the pod because you know what? Every time I feel like a, I, I'm at a loss for a guest or like I feel like I, the, the food celebrities have run dry, they keep coming. They just keep coming out of the wood work. And I'm really, really excited for today's guest because we're going to talk a lot about one of my favorite 
subjects today on the podcast, and that is cheesecake. So without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, Sean Davis. Say hi. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Good afternoon. Happy, happy day. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are chipper and ready to go. I live, laugh, love all of it. Folks, if you don't know and you should know out there, Sean Davis is the executive pastry chef of the Cotton Blues Cheesecake Company. For nearly a decade, travelers from all over the country flocked to Cotton Blues Restaurant in Hattiesburg, Mississippi to enjoy Davis's one-of-a-kind cheesecake, lemon icebox pie, and strawberry icebox pie. In 2020, he and owner slash partner Chris Ortego decided to go all in on the popular cheesecake, building a production capacity and and distribution networks, making them available nationally through grocery retailers and online. You were like the gold belly before gold belly, huh? <laughs> we actually partnered with gold belly to make it available online. So. Oh, yes. Gold <laughs> belly. Not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You are the cheesecake queen of the South. And I am here for all of it. But before we get anywhere, in the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, Sean, I need to wish you happy National Coffee Cake Day. Oh, thank you. I love coffee and cake. Do, uh, cake. Are, are you a coffee cake person? Do you make coffee cakes since you are uh, a renowned pastry chef? Sometimes. Sometimes. What's the secret to good coffee cake? Um, the streusel. Right? You got you to gotta have good crumb. Uh, obvious. That's what my last date said. Uh, <laughs> you give good crumb. You give good crumb. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, there was nothing better, and I hope you're not offended, than a oh, freshly no. opened box of Entman's coffee crumb cake. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot to offend me. Um, are you are you a fan of the Entenmann's? I know it may be sacrilege in your kitchen. Oh no, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of anything good pre made that I don't have to make, and I can just be like, hey, I made this, you know. So <laughs> yeah, for what sure. they don't know won't hurt them. Yes, honestly. Um, but legit, growing up, there used to be an Entenmann's. I grew up in Brooklyn, and there used to be like an actual Entenmann's bakery not too far from where I grew up, and so we'd go over the weekend and pick up like the fresh box of coffee cake. And there's nothing like just opening the box to Oh, that a sounds fresh... magical. Right? Doesn't it? I mean, I was so excited to, in your mouth listeners, Sean was so nice and sent me a cheesecake. And unfortunately, uh, Ms. FedEx uh, messed up along the way and it has not arrived. So I would hate to see the state of what that cheesecake is. I was supposed to be enjoying this cheesecake. I was really, really looking forward to just eating all the calories with you this morning. But I guess it's just going to have to be all in my line. And Sean, you're really lucky because today is a double day. And don't ask me why it's a double day. But today is also National Beer Day. Oh, nice. Are you a beer guy? Um, It depends on my mood. Oh, okay. If like, I'm being outdoorsy, you know, I'll have a beer. But I'm more of a wine or cocktail yeah, what, what's your go-to cocktail? Um, a Manhattan. A man. Emphasis on the man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Manhattan. But it's like, do you feel like it's transitional for spring or are you just a year-round Manhattan guy? Uh, I'm a year-round Manhattan guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, I used to make a drink called the Central Park where I'd, where I'd put a dash of maple syrup in my Manhattan. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I'd call it the Central Park. FYI. <laughs> Take it, run with it. Add it to the cheesecake. I don't know. <laughs> well, no matter whatever you celebrate out there, happy National Coffee Cake Day, National Beer Day, or just, you know what? Happy National Celebrate Whatever the Hell You Want Day. <laughs> it's America. <laughs> it's America, you know? Um, and moving right along into this day in gay history, Sean, did you know that in 2009, New York City officials announced that the Stonewall Riots of 1969 will be featured in an official city tourism campaign capitalizing on the 40th anniversary of the uprising um, in June 2009 and prom promoting the city as a gay and lesbian tourist destination. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, but 2009, <laughs> think about that. That was only 11 years that That's somebody when I graduated from... high school. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're such a spring chicken. <laughs> and here, me being like this old hen, uh, 2009, wow. Wow, where was I in 2009? Oh, doing like West Side Story at the Trenton War Memorial, I think, or something like that. Um I don't even know. But, yeah, th to think about how short, like, that was only 11 years ago that, like, the city decided, hey, like, let's actually honor this and make New York City an LGBTQ destination. Like, that that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Seems like just yesterday. <laughs> I mean, yes. But, I mean, it's just crazy to think about. I, I you know, I always say, like, our history is short and and... You know, it wasn't that long ago that like, you know, like these little steps to being accepted or to being recognized or to, you know, being enveloped into into society in, um, for lack of a better term, a normal way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. It's, uh, yeah, it's something else. But you know what? All good things and good news on this day. And I want to get to the getting on and talk about you and the cheesecake. And I want to start at a really important place. Do you know, right, since you are since you are a cheesecake connoisseur, how many cheesecakes the Golden Girls had consumed over their season run? <laughs> I do not, but I would love to know the answer to that. It's about, um, I've done some research, and I am a big Golden Girls aficionado. It's about um, over 100, there's not an exact number. Everywhere you see says over 100 cheesecakes in their entire run. And B. Arthur was not a fan of the cheesecake. Really? Yeah, hated it. So uh, if you watch the Golden Girls, you'll see her pushing around the food, especially the cheesecake, on her plate. But never, never really eating that. it. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Crazy. And I love uh, the Golden and, Girls. Yeah. Do you? I, I watch oh, yeah. it. I watch 100%. it every night before bed. <laughs> Favorite episode? Mm, there's so many of them. I'm sure it's something involving Blanche being Blanche. Well, she's my favorite. <laughs> that's every other episode. Are you a Blanche? Are you a Dorothy? Are you Sophia? Are you a Rose? Um, I'm a good mix of a Blanche and a Dorothy. Okay. Yeah. I I can I I feel that. I feel <laughs> that. I'm I'm more of a a, a Dorothy Sophia, I feel. You oh, know? Sassy. 
Yeah, just read. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not gotten that just yet in the first 10 minutes of this podcast? <laughs> but let's start at the beginning where we always like to start a la Julie Andrews. Growing up, where did this love of cooking, especially baking, come from? I spent a lot of time with my grandmother when I was growing up, my mom's mom. Um, and like we spent a lot of time in the kitchen. I learned to cook things, you know. Um, and way before I was born, she used to make wedding cakes and things out of her home. And that always like interested me, like seeing all the pictures and stuff. Like by the time I was around, she didn't do it anymore. But, um, that just kind of sparked an interest and I kind of started teaching myself and watching a lot of Julia Child after school and, you know, learning as much as I could really. Yeah. I love that. Um, Yes. I am an old gay man from way back and I love the Julia Child, the Graham Kerrs of it all. Uh, Did you ever watch Graham Kerr? Did you see Um, the Galloping Gourmet? Oh my God. Look those episodes up. (laughs) You'll fall in love. It's great. Because you thought he was a big gay man, but he wasn't. But he maybe could have been. <laughs> Probably was, let's be honest. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, there was just such uh, such joy in that. And and I, I can feel your grandmother's pain um, or not pain. Uh, I used to also bake wedding cakes and custom cakes out of my 120 square feet in Times Square for a little while. Oh, wow. Yeah. Till it made me cry. <laughs> till it made me cry every time. And it wasn't worth it. But I understand. So we're baking with grandma or cooking with grandma. What's that? What kind of things were we making? Like, what were like your favorite things to kind of like roll out of that kitchen? Um, So she made lemon icebox pie every holiday for like everything her mother did. And then her mother did. So it was like a lemon icebox pie passed down throughout the generations. Now, lemon icebox pie. Hold on. Because um, I know icebox cake, is, it's like those like chocolate wafers and then this like heavier whipped cream that kind of is like stabilized somehow. I've never made one. Uh, is is the cream lemon or is it different? Or is it, I'm just so talking about something completely there's different. There's icebox cake and then there's icebox pie. So oh. icebox cake has like the cookies and the cream and then you let it sit in the fridge overnight and it softens the cookies to cake consistency. But icebox pie was developed way back in the day, like in the Great Depression era. And it's sweetened condensed milk and lemon juice and egg yolks. And it was actually called lemon icebox pie because it would set in the icebox. And the lemon juice acidity would start thickening the sweetened condensed milk and cooking the egg yolks to make it like pie texture. Oh, Oh, I've never had that. Now I want, can you send me one of those too? <laughs> I don't know how well it ships, but I can try. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, lemon icebox pie. And is, it, is that the same thing as the strawberry one too? Yes, they're very similar. So I developed the strawberry one after the lemon one. Um, and fun fact, it took a couple of days of testing. Um, first I just kind of threw strawberries in and hoped for the best and it was great. And then the next day it was just like in a puddle of random liquids, you know, which sounds, sounds like so me pre pandemic. <laughs> 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 um, 
And yeah, I, Sean was uh, Sean was stumped. He goes, "I don't know if I should respond to that or not." <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're, we we we're all over the place on India. The the podcast is called In Your Mouth, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but then I added some red wine vinegar to replace the lemon juice to thicken everything and cook the egg yolks, and I tossed the um, sh- strawberries. I lost the word strawberry um, and uh-huh. cornstarch and baked it and it was glorious. So, so interesting. Now I want to, now I want some of that. Strawberry is one of like my favorite, like kind of dessert profiles besides chocolate being first. Um, little known fact or random fact. Uh, I had a surplus of vodka in the house and I don't drink a lot of vodka. And it's like, what am I going to do with this? And so for the past three, four weeks, I've been um, uh, infusing the vodka with berries and things. Um, so I change it out every three to five days. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it looks real good. It smells it smells very berry. And I've been doing it with gin, too. Now there's like figs oh, yeah. and strawberries in the gin. Nice. So Pineapple I, I, does really well, too, by the way. Yeah, I hear pineapple does a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best fruits ever. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, oh my god! Uh, Teresa on the Real Housewives of New Jersey was just talking about how and why she eats pineapple. I don't know if you're a Real Housewives fan. Check it out, though. I'm not, but I feel like that's worth watching. <laughs> yeah, it's a, this season's real good. But back to the back. Let us. Let me turn back onto this yellow brick road that we're on here. And so, fine. You grow up cooking with grandma. What? Then you go to school. I know you went to culinary school, Le Cordon Bleu, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Right? Very fancy, right? Yeah. Well, I moved from Purvis, Mississippi, mm-hmm. little tiny town, like I graduated with 100 other people. And boom, I moved to Vegas real quick. Yeah, and was that was that always the dream and the goal to like? Yes. Yeah. Not necessarily Vegas, but like a culinary school somewhere, and Vegas just happened to be the one. Yeah, but so fine. We go to Le Cordon Bleu, and obviously it's world renowned, amazing school. How did you end up landing on and in cheesecake then? From like, you know, because there's so there's so much technique and so much you know finesse that I feel like you learn from these places. Not to say that cheesecake doesn't take technique and finesse, and we'll get into that. But like, out of all the things, like you know, as opposed to working at the French Laundry, you know, making crinelles of of whipped cream by the dozen and all these fancy things, you know, like so cheesecake. when I was in high school. Um, my mom did not bake ever at all. And so, like, the whole time I was growing up, I thought Jello no-bake cheesecake was cheesecake. Like, I didn't know there was anything else out there. And I actually saw Julia Child make one on the Joy of French Cooking after school one day. And I was like, what is this? And so I started researching and putting all these different recipes together and ended up making what I thought cheesecake should taste like. And everyone loved it. And I went to culinary school and... Um, tried doing the cheesecake that they had, like, in their curriculum, and it was nasty, 
And so I made <laughs> mine and my teacher was like, well, I'm not going to pass you if you don't give me that recipe. And I was like, fine. And wrote it down on a napkin and kind of threw it at her. Um, but yeah, I just kind of kept it in my back pocket. And after I met Chris and we um, were starting the restaurant, I was testing out different recipes. And after we opened, I made one and I was like, here, try this. And he was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And so we put it on the menu and then started selling it in local grocery stores and then grew it to more and more and more. Here that's, we are. <laughs> that's, uh, I mean, that's incredible. What's the secret to, to good cheesecake? Or why was that Cordon Bleu cheesecake not so great? I don't like pasty cheesecakes. You know how, like, sometimes you'll take a bite of cheesecake and, like, you just go... Yeah. Like, for way too long. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. Like, I don't want it to stick to the roof of my mouth, and I don't want it to just linger. Like I You, want it you to don't be... want to spackle the walls with it? Yeah, exactly. And, like, mine's much more airy and smooth, and there's not a um, stabilizing agent, like a, a thickening agent. Like, there's no cornstarch or flour. Like, it's technically a custard, but it's a cheesecake. Um, right. So it's it's a much better texture. I'm a texture person, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't have textural issues with food. Um, I don't really understand that. I know a lot of people out there do. Don't come for me. Don't at me. <laughs> if you do, great. I just don't get it. Right, and live your life. Um, but yeah, I have a old cheesecake recipe, Sarah's cheesecake that has been passed down from a friend of my mom's. That's. It looks like one of those cheesecakes that, like, you can... Because it looks like a brick that oh, you yeah. can, like, spackle the walls with. <laughs> but everyone, when they taste it, they're like, how is this so, like, light and airy? And I was like, yeah. I don't know. Ask Sarah. <laughs> 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 Call. Let's have a seance and ask Sarah because <laughs> this is a tried and true cheesecake recipe and it's the only cheesecake I will ever eat. I want to switch gears from cheesecake to growing up for a minute because... I, on this podcast, right? It's a celebration of you and um, what you shining. And obviously the cheesecake is doing well and you're very successful. And I think it's important for everyone out there to hear our stories of coming to be and coming through because we never know who our stories can affect. And I kind of want to talk about what it was like growing up in a small town and then coming out to being this fabulous cheesecake mogul that you are. Are. What was that like? So growing up in Purvis, um, we lived out in the middle of nowhere, like three channels on the TV, no internet, like it was rural. <laughs> um, but I never really had to come out. Like it was just kind of known. <laughs> like every time I like felt like I needed to, it was just like, oh, well, yeah, I know, <laughs> you know. But like other kids at my high school, especially um, we get picked on and bullied and, you know, all this horrible thing, all these horrible things just for being gay. And I guess maybe I wasn't flamboyant like they were, so I didn't get picked on. I don't know. Like, it, it's yeah, very strange. I, listen, <laughs> it's not what you would expect. <laughs> I mean, each one of our stories is unique. And, you know, that small town experience, I mean, I grew up and came out here in New York City, you know? So it's like day and night oh, yeah. pretty, pretty <laughs> much. And like the bullying was a huge thing for me 
all throughout high school, you know, and grade school. So, but it's important to hear each one of our experiences is, is unique. And like I said, we never know who's listening. So like, you know, maybe there's somebody out there in a small town that's just like, can really attach and relate to your story. And this is why I always ask all of my guests and I think it's important, you know, yeah, coming out sure. and, and, and going through. Have you found that it has hindered any hindered you at any point in your career, especially going through like a program at Le Cordon Bleu. And you know, as well as I do that, like the kitchen, especially these professional kitchens are very hyper-masculine, very, very like testosterone filled, (laughs) you know? Um, I have not actually, like I've just been the big gay pastry chef, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's fabulous. And look where you are now. I mean, if that's what it is, that's what it is. And how great for you that you can uh, rise and not have it be a thing, you know, because mm-hmm. that's the way it should be, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> I mean, not all of us are so lucky out there, but, like, that's beautiful, and that's that's been the journey that that you're on trucking through and and now producing cheesecakes. How many cheesecakes are you making daily? Uh, we make about 600. 600? Mm-hmm. A day. Cheesecakes? <laughs> That's a lot of cheese. Are you actually, uh, I'm I'm sure there's like a whole like factory set up or something. Are there like, did you design out special mach- machines that like, you know, like pour the batter and, you know, like kind of a la I Love of... Lucy? <laughs> we actually have a couple of um, different specialty machines. Like one of them actually spins the crust. So the crust is perfect and the same every time. And then we have what's called a unifiller, which like it's got a little foot pump and you push the pump and it deposits the perfect amount of filling in each one and into the ovens and they all have like the perfect amounts of steam and all kinds wow. of fun stuff. Are, are there like, do you have like big things of like water, bain-maries in the, in the ovens for? Actually, I don't need them because these ovens actually shoot water in at the beginning and keep the steam in there the entire time. So oh. instead of having to put a water bath at the bottom and have it release steam the entire time, you just the oven does it for me. It's awesome. Oh. Okay. Can you explain <laughs> to the listeners, because I just realized that I'm obviously, you know, have a little bit of experience in the kitchen and baking, obviously. Um, and you being more professional than I am, but I don't know if everyone knows why we need a water bath in the oven or why we need the steam to create delicious, fluffy cheesecake. So the steam actually creates a more gentle heat. So imagine taking a piece of white bread and putting it in the oven. And, you know, after five, ten minutes, it's going to be toasty and crunchy. But you don't want that for cheesecake. So imagine... You put it in the oven with a bowl of hot water that's putting steam off. The bread's going to absorb the hot water and make it less crunchy and stiff and hard. It's still going to be soft, but it's going to be warm and cooked. Oh, I feel like yeah. that's that's my analogy for the day. Yeah, that, that works. <laughs> you know, and, and to all the homosexual gay men out there, you know, uh, listening, just think of it like the steam room at the gym. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just keeps you moist and tender. 
don't mind me. I'm ridiculous. <laughs> oh my goodness. Listen, um, I am getting hungry and I am uh not only hungry, but angrier and angrier at FedEx by the minute for not getting me this cheesecake on Friday. <laughs> but I I think now would be a great time to take a little break and take Sean out to our favorite part of the podcast, a little something we like to call Food News Updates. Food News. Food news. Ooh, honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. Woman finds bonus appendage in frozen fruit bag. I don't have words for that. <laughs> what kind of appendage? In your mouth listeners or mouthfuls or whatever I'm calling you. <laughs> Sean's face. You should have seen Sean's face. Sean's, Sean's mouth was on the floor. On El Piso. <laughs> The ambulance is coming to make sure I have all <laughs> 10 fingers and toes here. Yeah, so um, this is from the takeout. Thank you, the takeout. Apparently, the Las Vegas Review Journal reported on this lawsuit, which was filed uh, in Nevada's Clark County District Court in March. Uh, one Mandy Palma accuses Walmart and the frozen fruit vendor of negligence. Palma claims that she visited a North Las Vegas Walmart late last spring, bought a bag of great value mixed fruit and a bag of great value strawberries. The next day, she whipped up a smoothie and drank it through a straw. But when she reached the bottom of the smoothie, Palma found a a surprising extra protein source. Not an extra protein source to take out. (laughs) Right after that, when rinsing or washing the cup containing the smoothie, Ms. Palma observed a piece of human flesh at the bottom of the container, which appeared to be a fingertip or a toe tip, her lawyer wrote. She didn't blend it very well. She didn't. And (laughs) I mean, I don't know. This is all allegedly, right? Who knows what actually happened? Well... This, right after, right on the heels of that man finding the shrimp tails in the Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, I went down a rabbit hole on that one. Like, I watched so many videos about that. I was shook. <laughs> Did, uh, that's a whole nother subject. Hold on. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know when you go to a, I don't know if they have these in Mississippi. I, I'm sure you have like a juice generation or a, a yeah, Jamba like a juice, juice bar. or a juice bar. And you know when they blend things, but like that frozen banana didn't blend all the way. So there's that like rounded chunk that just yeah. went through the blades. Like, could it have just been that? Or like a piece of strawberry tip. Like yeah. there's so many things it could be. Right? Fruit I don't have fingerprints. Oh. <laughs> not fruit have fingerprints (laughs) oh my god well she's asking for more than 15 grand and less than 75 in damages apparently all all for finding what appeared to be allegedly uh a a finger but back to i'm still stuck on this on the shrimp 
in the Cinnamon Toast Crunch, right? From the man who's married to Topanga from Boy Meets World. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of his ex-girlfriends coming out being like he's a liar and verbally abusive. Yeah. Yeah, that saga, that saga <laughs> took a very not nice turn in many different ways. Absolutely. It all started with a shrimp tail. And it all <laughs> is that going to be your memoirs? The title <laughs> yeah. of your memoir? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it all started with a shrimp tail <laughs> by Sean Davis, a, a memoir of cheesecake and <laughs> and mental health or something. I can say, <laughs> right. I can say, I can see it now. <laughs> I support it. <laughs> Well, I think we are not here for finding appendages or 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 fish parts in uh where they're not supposed to be. I think you would agree on that. 120-year-old chocolates found in a war helmet. That's well, that them. sounds interesting. Isn't it? 120-year-old chocolate. Was it still good? Did they try it? Uh apparently. <laughs> I don't think it was. Um, apparently, in Norfolk, Eastern England, when family members found an ancestor's Boer War helmet case containing a tin of chocolates commissioned by Queen Victoria herself. CNN reports that the chocolate was man- manufactured by British confectioners Cadbury Fry and Rowan Tree in 1900. At Queen Victoria's request, the chocolate was meant to boost morale for soldiers fighting in the Second Boer War in South Africa. According to Britain's National Trust, the companies eventually produced 100,000 half-pound tins inscribed with messages from the monarch herself. Well, that's bougie. Yeah, right? But, like, (laughs) and he kept it. Like, it's fully intact, but deteriorated a bit by now. You can still see a brownish color, but not, it's not very appetizing for the Easter season. <laughs> the property's curator, Lindsay Combs, told CNN. He may have wanted it to keep it as a memento from the queen or just forgot about it. Or just may not have liked the chocolate. <laughs> that's, that's sad. You yeah. Get, you get chocolate from the queen and... <laughs> Don't I like mean, <laughs> well, we're getting cheesecakes from this queen. And <laughs> right. <laughs> we're supposed to. FedEx can't keep it together. <laughs> FedEx can't keep it together. Let's hope it held up better than these chocolates. Did. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's lovely. It's going to be displayed someplace. Uh, the National Trust has wrapped the chocolate in acid-free tissue and stored it in a space with a stable temperature and humidity. Right? Um to eventually be put on display. You know what? I mean, yeah, how lovely. The queen gave you chocolate and you wanted to save it. I, I do that, I think. Right? No? I support I mean, it. I'm here for it. Yeah, totally, totally here for it. Are you making chocolate cheesecake? Do you like chocolate cheesecake? I do. We haven't added it to the menu because I don't like cocoa powder. I like, like, melted chocolate and ganache type things. But we're, it's, it's moving around up there in my noggin. We're going to get there. It's moving around in my noggin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Um, the uh, what? What? What do you have against cocoa powder? I just. I think part of it is because it's a byproduct of the chocolate making process. Oh. I mean, I don't. We have a love hate relationship. Like I see. when people use cocoa powder, 
and that's all you taste in something. Like if I'm making devil's food cake, like it's going to have cocoa powder in it, but it's also going to have like espresso and rum and vanilla extract and all these other things to complement it and bring out the chocolate flavor. But so many people just use cocoa powder and they're like, okay, it's chocolate now. And that's not how that works. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, take that to the bank and deposit it. Like <laughs> Going back full circle to the Golden Girls, they're forever eating chocolate cheesecake. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Like double fudge cheesecake. Yeah. Rose is always carrying in some sort of chocolate. So I don't think I've ever had a chocolate cheesecake now that I've... My mother sent me... Or maybe I have. My mother sent me a, a Junior's cheesecake once that was like an assortment. How was that? I mean, it's juniors. It's <laughs> it's exactly what you described that you don't like. <laughs> but it's iconic. I mean, you have some and and then you're like, I had it. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. So, yeah. I. You know what? I think we're here for this this moment in chocolate, whether it's in cheesecake or whether it's preserved from the Queen Victoria herself. <laughs> and last but not least, Delta is resuming their in-flight snack and beverage service for passengers. Yay or nay? How do you feel about eating on a plane? Um, So the little Delta cookies. Those Biscoffs? Mm. Oh, my God. Not a sponsor of a pod, but I don't give Love it. I don't mm. care. <laughs> you give so me much. that and a coffee, I'm good. I don't need yeah. any other snacks. Right? So Absolutely. have you been on a plane at all during the pandemic? I have not. Like, I haven't gone anywhere. Like, it's... Mm. I actually just booked my 30th birthday trip um, to Vegas in May, and I'm very excited about that because I'm fully vaccinated, and everyone that's going with me is fully vaccinated. So yeah. that'll be the first flight in, like, what, a year, year and a half? Yeah. I mean... Feels like a decade. <laughs> yeah, we're talking, like, some friends want to, like, take a, a small, you know, domestic trip, right? And I was like, well, we got to we gotta check out what the rules are, and we got to keep our masks on, and I don't want to be on... I don't want to be featured on Gays Over COVID or whatnot. <laughs> like, that's not my M.O., honey. Um, but I've had to travel... Uh, for work a little down to North Carolina and whatnot. And, you know, the Delta the Delta crew ha- handling and managing all of it uh, as best as they can and coming through. But, like, literally, they, like, throw you these Ziplocs of, like, a water <laughs> bottle. They're like, catch! You know? <laughs> like a football game? <laughs> Legit. They're like, we don't want to touch you. Catch! <laughs> Right. And every flight I've taken has been like less than two hours. So it's um, I don't really feel the need to like sit there and eat those cookies. I'll just save it for when I get to my destination. (laughs) But it's so funny just in the I don't know how much you know about the history of uh, airline or food in the airline industry. But 9-11 changed the way we the food industry on planes because people weren't traveling so much so that's when all those menus and all like the free service and all of that really got pared down to like snack items and then slowly things started to come back but then things cost money and then it all became about like where you were on the plane and so like 
the journey of food on a plane has been long and really interesting. And now this pandemic, again, has now changed the way we experience, you know, in-flight dining. Oh, cool. I, yeah. I would watch a documentary on that. Well, back in the day, they used to roll out a trolley with like a full turkey and carve it for you. <laughs> wow, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, because you know, like I never was a- flew pre nine eleven, so like, I don't, I don't have anything to compare with. You know, flying was a luxury. Like, so you'd go and you'd get like meals, like real cute like meals. And now, now <laughs> you're lucky if you get a warm beer and a hello, <laughs> right? <laughs> also sounds like my dating life but um (laughs) but yeah um they're gonna start serving foods as of the 15th of april you know um more than the more than the little snack pack that they've been giving you i mean but where are we going that we need to how long are you how long are you flying (laughs) That like you really like, need? Is it international? <laughs> uh, can we even do that yet? Here. <laughs> I, I don't no think idea. we can even do that yet. Can we? I, I have no idea. I don't know if I'm ready to eat on a plane just yet. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe this is a sign of like good hope that things are like kind of returning to whatever our new normal is, right? Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, we'll, we'll look and at I, it as a good thing. And with that, I think that's a great way to end food news update. <laughs> How was that for you? You're gonna you're oh, gonna wonderful. take that to the to the cheesecake uh, factory workers and be like, oh my god, guys, <laughs> buy your tickets. Delta is serving more snacks. Can I sell them cheesecake? How does that work? How do I oh get on god. planes? <laughs> How do you get on planes? I don't know. I used to know. The wine director, I used to work at a very fancy restaurant here, and uh, it was a wine destination here in New York City, and the head wine director was, like, became the head wine director for, like, American Airlines, Delta or something. And so, like, he chose the wine, and which mm-hmm. was the wine he was producing. So, like, <laughs> he got his wine on planes. How do you get that? I don't know. Who do we call? In your mouth, listeners, who do we call to get this cheesecake on a plane? Yeah. Holla at your boy. i feel like it would have to be stabilized and preserved in a different way and like individually packaged slices no we're actually about to come out with individually packaged slices oh Oh. and it's a frozen product so you know just keep it in the freezer up there or put it in the back of the plane where it's cold or under the plane it's like frozen you know get the dumb waiter yeah (laughs) Right? I don't know. I've been on two-level planes before where the bathrooms were downstairs. Oh, I have not. You've lived a much more adventurous life than I have. Well, you know what? (laughs) And on a budget, because she don't make money. She don't make a lot of money. So, (laughs) on a budget, for sure. I have have flown in the back with the chickens. Trust me. Just to... Just to get... (laughs) Things. Speaking of the pandemic, how have you how have you and the cheesecake business and the restaurant like been surviving? Um, so we actually closed the restaurant at the end of 2020 um, and moved all our focus just to the cheesecake company. But we actually opened our production facility and started producing like 
on a larger scale back in February of 2020. So like we started in the middle of the pandemic and like, it's a small group of like, I have 12 staff members. So like, we're very small, very tight knit, you know, nobody goes anywhere, just working home. And anytime there was the slightest scare, we just had everybody tested, you know, and we've been pretty blessed, you know, between, you know, masks and hand washing and sanitizer everywhere and, you know, but. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's good to hear, you know, because so many have lost so much, especially in the restaurant industry. Oh, I yeah. uh, I used to write for an imprint magazine called West 42nd Street, and now they're online. And I just finished a roundup of all the restaurants in the neighborhood that I live in that closed. Something oh, wow. like 40 Mm-hmm. Right. And like going down memory lane of, you know, like the things, the things we're going to miss and what we hope for the future. Yeah. Like it's, it's very emotional thinking about it. Um, but, you know, everything happens for a reason, I suppose. And you never know what might happen and bring some back and. And bring some back and something. I don't know. I, I. I don't. I New things may come of it. Like, yeah, well, we would hope so. And for some of those restaurants I was talking about, I was like, well, you know, you know, I hope that it's sad that they lost their business, but hopefully, maybe they'll they can come back better or stronger. Or mm-hmm. this business may have closed here, but they've now reopened here. You know, yeah. and so you know, good thing that they're like continuing. Or there was another restaurant where all the reviews on Yelp and whatnot were. Yes, about the food, but also you would be hard-pressed to find a review that didn't mention how great the staff was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, I hope whomever this amazing staff was is, like, out there shining in a different way. Maybe they found, like, a a different creative outlet or different work, you know, spreading that light. So it's good to hear. It's good to hear. What's next for the, the cheesecake and the cheesecake world? Um, growing and being in more grocery stores and just getting bigger, like expansion, I guess is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Well, where, what grocery stores have you hit so far? Um, we're in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and I think there's a few in Florida. But, um, you know, Ramey's grocery store chains throughout Mississippi and Alabama and um, Rouse's in New Orleans and that area and Homeland in Oklahoma City and surrounding So you've got the South covered. Yeah. You know, that's where (laughs) we're from. You got to start somewhere. (laughs) Well, there's no place like home, they say. I mean. There's no place like the South either. (laughs) Right. Well, true that. But, um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Could you? Do you think you can get your cheesecake to LA, or do you think they're going to be like, like Kim is going to be like, oh my god, like this cheesecake? I mean, there's a good bit of calories and fat in it, so I feel like she would enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) And then just make that ass bigger, (laughs) and just go to the doctor the next day to get it. Like, move to where she needs the fat, right? Exactly. I mean, oh, to have that money. (laughs) Oh, to have that money. If you wanted to, let's say someone out there 
here's a little fun thing. Someone out there wanted to, you know, foray is inspired by you uh, and this pod to to go out and make a cheesecake. What is like the number one tip you would give them? Premium ingredients. All right. So not so don't not skimp a, on ingredients. Like, not a Philadelphia cream, cream cheese. cheese. I definitely use Philadelphia cream cheese. Why is Philadelphia just, cream cheese so delicious? I'm not really sure, and Kraft can't tell me. And like, it's just <laughs> like I've tried no less than twenty other cream cheeses, and nothing bakes up like Philadelphia. Like they're always either dark or dense or just nothing's the same. I just I don't get it. Shout out to you, not a sponsor of the <laughs> podcast, but I mean. It's still like I can't none of that nothing like that is in this apartment. But when I used to like cater events and whatnot, um, there was always cream cheese about and I could not resist the Philadelphia. Oh yeah. You know? Like there's nothing like it. <laughs> yeah. Good ingredient. One of God's greatest gifts. Are you a mixed cheesecake kind of guy? Uh, meaning like I know that there's cheesecakes that are just pure cream cheese, but then there's others that like call for ricotta or other types of I'm a purist like the original cheesecake had cream cheese you know and like I just if it's going to be cream cheese I mean if it's going to be cheesecake it's got to have cream cheese you know like I've tasted the ones with ricotta or um, like I've done savory ones myself with like cream cheese and cheddar and goat cheese you know, but like if I'm going for cheesecake, like classic cheesecake, cream cheese all the way. Yeah. All right. All right. I should send you uh I should send you Sarah's to see what you think. I support it's, it. It's solid. It's <laughs> solid. And even at the end of the recipe, it's one of those old school turn off the oven and just leave it in. Oh yeah. I've done those before. Right? So good. <laughs> um, you just brought up an interesting uh, thing, and I was—I didn't even research this till now. Do you know what the origins of cheesecake are? Um, not a hundred percent, if I'm being honest. But I feel like New York. Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not. According to anthropologists, thanks thoughtco.com, um, <laughs> whatever that is, um, who have found cheese molds dating back to. As far as 2000 BC, cheesecake, however, is believed to have originated in ancient Greece. It's always the Greeks that produce the best things, right? Are you Greek? Is that yeah. why you're saying that? Oh. Well, let I just me tell love you. Greek culture, Greek men's, absolutely, Abso- absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, apparently, a form of cheesecake may have been served to. Uh, to the athletes during the first Olympic Games held in 776 BC to give them energy. Oh, wow. Yeah, look at that. And now athletes don't eat dairy. It's crazy. No, no. I know Philadelphia cream cheese was actually invented in New York, and they thought Philadelphia sounded better and was more marketable, so they named it Philadelphia, and it has no ties to actual Philadelphia. Huh. Fun yeah, fact. I'm, this article too. <laughs> cream cheese was invented in 1872 by American dairyman 
William Lawrence of Chester, New York, who accidentally stumbled on a method of producing cream cheese while trying to reproduce a French cheese called Neufchatel. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. Who knew? Who right? knew? Uh, happy little accidents. Happy little accidents and happy little <laughs> cream cheese moments. This has been... <laughs> So much fun. I can't wait to see what this cream cheese looks like from FedEx. <laughs> I'm excited uh, to try it, to see it, to to give it all the love because I am a cream cheese fanatic. I can't well, don't eat the one that comes today. Wait till the one that comes tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the one that comes today will not be any good. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> Probably not, unless I need... Well, I do need to shed a few pounds. <laughs> I mean, in that case... <laughs> no, we do not support that here on this podcast. <laughs> Please diet healthily and consult your doctors. Um, oh, my goodness. This has been such a great day. Tell the kids out there where they can find you, how they can find you, where they can buy the cheesecake, all of it. Please. Head up our website, cottonblues.com. There's an interactive map with all of the grocery store locations. You can also order on goldbelly.com. All right. All right. Lovely. Lovely. Links to all our socials, everything, cottonblues.com. Cottonblues.com. Why Cotton Blues? So the restaurant um, was named Cotton Blues. And when Chris, the owner, was developing it and, you know, planning it out, he was like, what is essential mississippi like what makes you immediately think mississippi because it's mississippi made um you know we it was farm to table we did everything fresh you know and he settled on cotton fields and blues music and cotton blues and oh (laughs) oh i don't think i've been to mississippi what is what else is mississippi known for food wise Besides mud um, pies, obviously. <laughs> right. Um, like everything good and southern, like collard greens and fried chicken and cornbread and black-eyed peas and okra. And it's just... Mm-hmm. Cajun Whale. fried pecans? Is that a thing? I'm, looking, I'm, I'm just looking oh. up some random... <laughs> Roundups, boiled peanuts, deer meat. Uh, Do you eat a lot of deer? I like venison. Oh, yeah. I'm good. Go shoot a deer and you're good for a month, you know? (laughs) Uh, At least, right? Oh, my God. Sounds delicious. Now I'm starving and I'm waiting for the FedEx man. Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully he's cute is all I got to say. <laughs> right. Big, big, he better big, make up for it. <laughs> right. Somehow. can uh, The weather's getting nice here in New York. So maybe he's in those cute tight short shorts. <laughs> right. Because, ooh, I love a FedEx <laughs> man holding a cheesecake. I mean, I mean, what where's that? What more did you ask for? <laughs> where's that porn? <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you so much, Sean, for coming on the pod. Has been a great day just getting to know you to connect and to learn all about the cheesecake in your mouth listeners please go out there and follow cotton blues order from the gold belly from the website or maybe you're in one of the states that you can just walk into the grocery store and avoid the miss patty pie for one of the <laughs> cotton blues cheesecake and let me tell you i had that miss patty sweet potato pie hmm 
<laughs> it was all right. Have you had it? I have not. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. We love Patty, though. That's know? all that matters. <laughs> That's all that. Maybe you need to call Patty and to figure out how you get your cheesecake into uh, the airplane. Right. Right. She has to have some connection. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Well, it's another great day here on In Your Mouth, folks. Get out there. Get some sunshine. Get that vitamin D, please. <laughs> um, safely, please go out there and get your vaccines. Rest and hydrate, please, because this thing will take you down as I can fully attest. Um, and other than that, thanks for the love and support always. Uh, if you have a few minutes, you know, scroll down and hit the five stars, the four stars, you know, what? hit the two stars and just leave a review. Any stars are good stars uh, on, on this day for In Your Mouth, I would say. And with that, I'm just going to say thank you for listening to In Your Mouth.